0: Thank you, praise team. I don't know about you, but um, I've grown to hate cancer. Anybody else there with me here? I tell you this, um, I think of this past year, and I I think of people that we've lost cancer. I think of Nancy Gilman, I think of Dave Groves, and and those who've been affected. i got to tell you, I've developed a hatred for cancer when I hear the word. And uh, just this past week, as I was uh, in the hospitals and visiting, I I went and saw Bob Castle, who we we heard had just passed away and 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 his his battle with cancer and and then I saw April right yesterday in Fort Wayne and, and, and then I went and saw Colson and and when I saw Colson Zuri was there and we're we're praising the Lord that Zuri's doing better but right in the room next to Colson I see that little guy laying in that hospital bed and I gotta tell you I hate cancer. And I know many of you in this room are dealing with this dreaded disease. And and we see the chaos. We see the pain. We see all the things that happens to families and all the things that people go through battling this dread disease. I hate it. I hate it. And I imagine, what, what would I do? What would you do if if all of a sudden you knew the cure think about that just for a moment if you had the cure for cancer what would you do i got to tell you i would broadcast it everywhere i would write letters to doctors i would do all that i could so that people could understand that there was a cure to this disease that causes chaos and death in the life of people. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you do all that you could to let people know that you know, this disease, this, this cancer, is part of a bigger disease? <laughs> that the disease of sin and death. And I've got to tell you, I hate sin and death. That the chaos, the separation, the pain that it causes, I mean think, think about personal sin. Steve, you see it firsthand at West Central. The the disease of addiction and sin and the chaos it creates in people's lives, the pain that they suffer. We see it all around us. We we have it in our family. We we, we see in our family the problem of sin and death, and we see the issues that it causes. Some of you, even in the midst of your family, Are dealing with pain and separation, and it's all because of sin and death. It's not just personal, it's global. I I mean, who who watched this week and watched as a government chemically bombed kids? How ugly is that? How, How ugly is our world at times? We live in a time, I'm 54 and I know you're saying, oh, no way, you're that old pastor. (laughs) I'm 54 years old and I never remember a time like this. And, And some say, I think Jesus is coming back and even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We live in an ugly time where sin and death is running rampant. And it's creating chaos in our families, in our community, in our world. What if you had the cure for sin and death? What what, what if somehow you had the cure for sin and death? What would you do? Wouldn't it be just like cancer? you would write letters you would do all that you could you, you would be you would be an advocate you would be active you would go what if you had the answer to sin death and hell what 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 if people were 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 Standing on the edge of an eternal hell and you had the answer what would you do would you be passive would you just stand idly by would you be so consumed with what was on TV and what you could do uh, to entertain yourself or would you be actively involved I believe and listen to this and, and and if you believe this don't don 't say man, but, but but if you believe this, think about how this might orient your life differently and think about is this really the orienting thought of my life? I believe Jesus had the cure for sin and death. I believe in this man, Jesus Christ. He gives us the remedy for every problem this world faces. I believe in this man Jesus and the way he lived his life and what he did. He has the remedy for every problem in our families. John 10:10. 10, 10. The thief, these are the words of Jesus, "The thief only come, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came to bring life." Luke 19:10, "For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. I believe. In this man, Jesus Christ, we have the answer to sin, death, chaos, pain, separation. All these, these problems that our world faces, I believe Jesus is the answer. You know, I, I think it's kind of fundamental to why we've gathered in this place on a Sunday, an, an Easter <laughs> Uh, first day of the week reflective of the Easter that that will follow next week. We, we, We gather on this day and we celebrate because we believe Jesus is the answer and what he has accomplished gives us hope even in the midst of this chaos. Jesus came to overcome sin and death and so we sing We sing whether we like the song or not because He is worthy and He has overcome sin and He has overcome death. Whether the words are familiar or unfamiliar, our hands go up and our lips proclaim the words because Jesus is the good news kingdom of God has come and we live in the realized kingdom understanding that there's more to come but we celebrate on Sunday what Jesus has done we're in the look again series and you know looking again is important I I bought a new game on my phone and I thought I was buying Yahtzee you know because I really want to challenge my mind uh, with a game that causes me to think I thought I was buying Yahtzee but I bought Yahtzee. It's different, Y-A-T-Z, okay? I don't know how they get away with it, uh, but they do. It's Yahtzee, Yahtzee, Yahtzee with a Y, and, and it's it's got, you know, it's completely different. It's got three of a kind, four of a kind, full house, large straight, small straight, and Yahtzee, and so it's completely different, so they don't have to pay Parker Brothers or anything for the game. And every time I get a Yahtzee, I yell out real loud, Yahtzee! And Spencer is so sick of hearing it. Here, here, here's a little clue for you kids who are teenagers. As people get older, the same joke becomes funny over and over and over again. I need to look again at that game and get something better, I guess, but... We're in the Look Again series, and and Pastor Christy opened us up with Palm Sunday, and we talked to look at at that again. Then Pastor Josh talked about the garden. Then then, then I talked about the cross. And and then uh, Pastor Bob did a great job talking about Silent Saturday. And then Josh, Pastor Josh talked about Easter. And today, I I think we're going to talk about the totality of it. See, See, at the end of all this time with Jesus, the disciples had to decide, what am I going to do with all that I've just witnessed? That was the disciples' dilemma after Easter, after everything they had seen. The disciples had to decide, okay, what will I do with Jesus? How will this change my life? I understand that that, that this has to be a turning point in my life, and everything needs to be different, but how will it be different? I think it's the same dilemma for us, right? What are we going to do with Jesus? I mean, is Jesus going to be a cute figurine we put on a bookshelf? Is Jesus going to be a cross we wear around our neck? Is Jesus going to be something that consumes Sunday mornings from 8.30 to noon? Is Jesus going to be something that that every once in a while we'll pick up a Bible and read? Is Jesus going to be our life raft? (laughs) You know, when things go bad, we'll pray. But for the rest of time, we'll just kind of go through the motions. See, the question for the disciples was, what will we do with Jesus? And it's our question as well. Now, I'm going to give you the lead today. You know what the lead is? The lead, lead's that thing that, that, that drives an article, okay? This is the point I want you to see this morning. I think this is the point of the series. I think it's the point of the passion. I think it's the point of all that Jesus has done. The resurrection of Jesus invites and empowers us to complete the mission of Jesus. That that when we look at all that Jesus has done, it's just not, oh, we receive the benefits of life and salvation and forgiveness, but it is an invitation for us through the power of the Holy Spirit to finish what Jesus has started. Let's look at some Scripture. Luke 24. While While they were telling these things, He Himself, and this is after the resurrection, He Himself is Jesus, stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. While they still could not believe it because of their joy and amazement, he said to them, have you something here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Now he said to them, these are my words, which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all the things that were written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. You know, there's a lot of things in this passage, and I think it's important for us to see this for today. But one of the things is this familiar phrase, I'm hungry. If you have a teenager in your home, you hear those words a lot, right? Right? It's a familiar phrase in our home. I'm hungry. And you read this and you have to ask, why in the world would they include this? Why would Brother Luke include this in his passage? Why is it so important to know that post-resurrection, Jesus wants something to eat? You know why it's important? Because Luke is saying, I want you to understand that Jesus was fully God And he was fully human. Fully God, fully human. And in his full humanness, in the fullness of his humanity, he was obedient to his heavenly Father from the beginning to the end. Jesus, full of God, accomplished the will of the Father. And that matters to us because see we're fully human. And so Jesus gives this model of fully human, full of God, accomplishing the will of God. And it calls us as holiness people, <laughs> fully human, full of the spirit, not just for our own our own celebration. <laughs> Not just to make us somehow better, but so that we can accomplish the will of the Father. You know, you know, I, I love the personal cleansing of the Holy Spirit. I do. And I value that. But folks, if it ends there, we're missing the whole point of Pentecost. God has sent His Spirit to indwell jars of clay, human flesh, not so that they could be celebrated, but so that God could be celebrated and we could be about the work of our Heavenly Father. Fully human, full of the Spirit of God. And in this passage, Jesus sends. Jesus sends the disciples on this mission of redemption, this, this, this good news mission, this mission of fulfilling the Father's will, you see this in all four Gospels. Matthew 28, 18, 20. All these are post-resurrection before Jesus ascends to heaven. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go! Say that with me. Go! <laughs> Say it with more urgency. Go! That was pretty urgent, okay? therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Mark sixteen fifteen, and and I know it, it's really kind of comical when you think about it. If you're reading the NIV Bible, uh, some some do not include this passage in the, in the NIV Bible. And surprise, that was controversial. <laughs> it's like, are you, are you stupid? You're taking a whole section out of the Bible and thinking nobody's going to notice it. But they, they, they took it out because it wasn't to their uh, translators and some earlier transcripts. I like it, so I'll leave it in mine, okay? Uh, Mark 16, 15, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation." John 20, 21, and we've already looked at Luke. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. You cannot be a follower of Jesus Christ without being sent, it's impossible. We serve a sending God who sent Jesus and now sends us into a lost and broken and hungry and dying world. Followers are sent people. One more. Acts one, six to eight. So when they had come together, and in a lot of ways it looks like Dr. Luke or or Luke is is repeating. Uh, a lot of what happens at the end of Luke and the beginning of Acts. So when they had come together, they were asking, Lord, is it at this time that you're restoring the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. You ever hear the phrase, there's no such thing as a stupid question? Anybody ever heard that phrase? Is that phrase true? No, it's not. Every once in a while, people ask stupid questions, right? Let's be honest. I've, I've asked stupid questions in my life, and I wish I hadn't asked them. And, and right here is an example. <laughs> I know they're disciples. They can't ask stupid questions, but it's a stupid question. After all that Jesus has said and done, they're still fixated, they're still stuck in this ideal. Okay, are you going to restore it now? (laughs) Will you restore the kingdom now, God? Please, Jesus, will you do it now? Over and over, he said no, and once again, no. I saw Reggie McNeil, who is a, a Baptist missionologist at a, an M7, a Nazarene mission conference, and, and he talks about this story, and he said, this is where Jesus finally got head up, fed up with it, and he tagged the Holy Spirit and said, you're it, you deal with them for a while. <laughs> you going know, to restore the kingdom? You know, I, th- I think the question they're asking is this. Are you really leaving this to us? Seriously? Are, are, are you you see the world? You see what happened to you? Are you really leaving this to us? I can remember when Wyatt was born. Whew, 23 years ago. My goodness. How does a 32-year-old have a 23-year-old. I don't know. Do the math. But I can remember we we were in the hospital with him. And it was pretty easy there, right? (laughs) You know, there's like nurses around. And and then they sent us home. And we were on our own. (laughs) It's a lot harder at home than in the hospital. are you leaving this to me? (laughs) There's a little bit of that in this question. This this whole concept of this is bigger than us, Jesus. What what, what you've left us with and what you've talked about, it is bigger than us. Are you really leaving this to us or are you going to do something more or something different? Of course, on Pentecost he will, but but there's that, that question of, ah, And then put yourself in their perspective. You know, what they had just witnessed to Jesus, happened to Jesus, would have been overwhelming. In our small group on Sunday night, we watched The Passion of the Christ. Have you ever seen The Passion of the Christ? I, I may have slept an hour Sunday night maybe 2 hours Monday all, all week long just the the, the scenes that you see and, and that was a video and that was a video with me understanding that it was a video and that was a video with me understanding everything that was going to happen after we have disciples 40 days from the most traumatic thing they've ever seen in their life. Their savior, their friend, their brother, their teacher, their rabbi, the the one they had invested their life in, is beaten nearly to death and crucified and dead and placed in a tomb and then he's alive. Is there any wonder? that they're saying, are you really leaving this to us? we've seen all that's happened, but but Jesus, this is overwhelming. See, the passion tells us, and I understand that that, um, this is hard stuff, and it's the kind of stuff that Jesus would say and people would leave him. It's not the kind of things that puts people in seats in a church. Jesus does not. And folks, when I say this, I'm not trying to bash. You know, as People are getting into the kingdom. People are getting into the kingdom. But the truth is, Jesus does not invite us to a, a gospel of prosperity. Jesus does not invite us to your best life now. He invites us to a life of self-giving and sacrifice where we understand that at the end, God will make things right, but He calls us to a cross. And He called the disciples to a cross. Not not the easy way, the hard way. Not not simple, but sometimes complicated. Not, not, Not our own will, but God's will. And it's not always easy. It's not always easy, even for preachers. Amen, preachers in here? Oh yeah, pastor, you're, you're, you're a professional man of God. All you have to do is God. And, and there's some truth to that. Most of my co-workers are pretty good. All of them are. I'm joking. Come on. I heard some laughter and some, oh. But it's not always easy, folks. And if somehow we get in our mind, and I've said this in the past, well, and I don't know if I would say this now, if there was no heaven and no hell, and it really didn't matter, I'd live my life exactly the same way. The truth is, sometimes to follow Jesus means making choices that we make knowing that there's something more in store that we're heading somewhere else and we're bringing other people with us. Amen? Amen. If you you never have gotten to that point in your life where you've made a decision, not because it's your best life now, and folks, I'm not a Joel Olstein basher. I know a guy that's in heaven because he listened to Joel Olstein, and I praise God for that, okay? I'm not bashing him, but but if you've never had to make a decision because it was your best life now, but because it was the call of God, then you need to go a little deeper. And the disciples were faced with that. It's a lot easier if God would just restore the kingdom. (laughs) But see, the resurrection of Jesus... Invites and empowers us to complete the mission of Jesus. And that wasn't the prettiest thing in the world. Now, there's practical barriers to that. See, our our natural desire is comfort and self protection. Amen? That that is our natural inclination within every person. And and I believe it's a a survival thing. There's this desire for comfort. And there's this desire for self protection. We ingrain it in our kids, right? When our kids are young, we say, look both ways before you cross the road. Poor Spencer, I was holding his hand in the parking lot till he's about 13 years old. Don't tell him I said that, Ryan, okay? You know, this, this ideal of self protection. You know, what's stranger danger? <laughs> And then those things are good. We need to do those things with our kids. But but it becomes ingrained within us this this lack of vulnerability. And see, our mission requires vulnerability. See, See, for Jesus to fulfill the Father's mission meant that Jesus had to be willing to be nailed to a cross. And I cannot think of a more vulnerable position than that. See, if we're going to do this, if we're going to be on the mission, our desires for self-protection can't override everything else. And the truth is, sometimes in the business of the kingdom, you will be hurt. You'll go through pain. Is that true, church? Sometimes it hurts hurts. Several years ago, I, I saw John Maxwell at a, um, a Promise Keepers in Indianapolis, and you know, Maxwell's a tremendous communicator. You don't get any better than John Maxwell, but, but I, he, he was preaching, and then all of a sudden, he got off point, <laughs> you know, and, and they try to keep you pretty close to your point when you're teaching in those big conferences, but but it, but it just hit him, and he got emotional, and, and he got to this point. He said, "Men." You don't have to live. (laughs) And the point was to follow Jesus. It's not about self-protection and protecting our life, but it's about giving our life. And we've got to be vulnerable if we want to live to that. We we seek comfort. Say amen, because you do. Tell you, if, if, if Harold Green lets it get a little cold or a little hot in here, I hear about it. It's a little bit cold here, Pastor. It's a little bit hot near, here, Pastor. Right. Terry and I are, are, are having to get a different car because my car's got like 900,000 miles on it. And uh, I, I think it's, it's about hit the end of its uh, road. And um, you know what we're looking for? You know what the essential is? Heated seats. Thank you, Marysville, for making me aware of the need for heated seats. We seek comfort. And to a degree, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we're not sitting on chairs with nails in them just to suffer for suffering's sake. But but the mission requires we leave our comfort zones. I remind Craig Groeschel says, to, to reach people no one else is reaching, we have to go and do things no one else is doing. <laughs> See, most churches, most churches get pretty comfortable in doing the things that cater to church people and reach church people. And so most churches are in this frantic competition for 30 to 40% of the population that gives one hoot about God and the church. But but see, Jesus calls us to this mission beyond what's easy and beyond those who are just interested in us to those who are lost and dying. Jesus calls us to the prodigal, to the tax collector, to to the prostitute, to the sinner, to, to the one that may not have any interest in the things of God. And to reach those kind of people, we've got to let go of comfort and protection. So let me ask you some questions as we we close here. Where's God giving you opportunity to serve? Okay, it's a mission. Where where is God giving you opportunity to serve? There's, There's opportunities here. I mean, there is. I mean, and, and if you think this is commercial, you can turn it off. But, but I believe in the body of Christ. I believe in the church. And I believe the ministries of the church are an effective way to be plugged in into service. I do. And, and so we need greeters. Say amen, Terry. We need greeters. I don't. We call them hosts, right? Hospitality team. That sounds a lot better, doesn't it? Who would want to be a greeter when you can be part of the hospitality team, huh? Yeah. We need people with our kids. I mean, we need people to check in. You know, security matters. Amen? Let me ask you, would you send your kid to a school where the doors were just open and people could come in anytime they wanted? No, you wouldn't. And we want our kids to be safe up there. I Man, there's, there's limited protection we can do in a place like this. Let me tell you, if something ever happens, our kids will be locked down and safe at Marysville, Nazarene. Amen? We need people to check in and, and help in those areas. We, we, we need people, oh, and, and this is a terrible one, spring cleaning. Oh! Uh. You know, this Saturday, this coming Saturday from from 9 to noon, I'll be here, and if people can come out, they can come out. We'll we'll finish up some spring cleaning, but we also posted the list by the office, uh, on the office bulletin board, and so maybe you can't come in Saturday, but maybe give a couple hours this week to do some things, and there's some projects that that are on that list, and and, and maybe you can just come in and do a couple hours, or maybe you can come in and do like a 16-hour day because you're just wanting to leave your comfort zone. And I'll say, praise the Lord. Anybody want to do that? Bring a house? No, okay. If you don't know this about me, understand this. I will never twist your arm. I mean, I bring these things up, but I will never twist your arm, and I will never beg. Maybe that is a, I think that's, I get that from my dad, but I will never beg or twist your arm. God (laughs) may. And if God wants to twist your arm to do some of these things, great. But it will never come from this pastor because that's not the way I work. And so if you're thinking, well, pastor's not begging and pastor's not on his hands and knees and pastor's not twisting any arms, well, it's just not in my DNA to do things that way. But these are needs. But what about other things? This this map on the back wall, that's... that, that kind of square things union county okay and and we've we've been doing this light up union county and pastor Christie started that and we're encouraging you we're inviting you service doesn't have to be organized at the church to be christ-like service amen you know god is at work and it's more than just the ministries we do and so we have made a, a an intentional shift from not having to create every ministry here, but allowing people to be involved in ministries in other uh, missional organizations and in other organizations in the community. You know, you, you can be missional and you can be on mission for Christ serving in a reading program at the YMCA if you do it for him and in the right way. Do you believe that? And we have people serving all over. We, you know, I, I already mentioned Steve and, and Mike, they're they're at West Central. And we have people serving at the at the, the Ladies Correctional Facility. And and then you have Jean McBride and Mary Gingrier are their own mission departments in other than themselves. You know, Jean's Jean's been up in, in Fort Wayne through the week and not at Gables as much. And I think that place is falling apart, Gene. I don't know what they're gonna do. See, there's other places you can serve other than here. We we need you to serve here. There's things that need to be done here. We we can't ignore our ministries here, but but there's other places that you can serve and you can even serve. I know this this is weird. Open up your minds to this. Service and sharing does not need to be programmed. You know where you're a missionary? Where you work? Where you live? where you recreate. Those are places of service where people who understand that they are sent by God understand that God has sent them right there. Maybe it's just a matter of loving the neighbor who may be a little bit unlovable next to you. Where is God giving you opportunity to build relationships with others? And I have in parentheses, I don't know if I put it on the screen or not, but particularly in unfamiliar areas. Jerusalem's easy. Behold, Jerusalem. P- people who think and act and dress and vote like you are easier to evangelize than people who are completely different than you. And Jesus says, Jerusalem, okay. Judea, okay, that's not bad. Samaria, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) To the ends of the earth, what? See, see, we don't have a problem with Jerusalem and Judea. Amen? Uh, Can we be honest? We don't have a problem with Jerusalem and Judea. Judea because these people look and act just like us it's Samaria and the ends of the earth that gives us problems Samaria is those people that that may be a little bit cantankerous (laughs) the ends of the earth are those people that look and act completely different than us but they're people that Jesus has sent us to reach next three weeks you have opportunities even here you know, I believe in being Christ and being the gospel and sharing the gospel where you are. But maybe you're uncomfortable with that. Invite them to church. You know, you could bring somebody to church. And I'll tell you, here's, here's what works like a charm. Tell them you'll buy them dinner after, all right? We have Easter. The following Sunday we have uh, the Guardians and Stan Toller, and you'll enjoy that. And then the next week we have revival with Bob Flint. Invite them. Take take them to dinner after. Bring them with you. John three sixteen. Somebody quote John three sixteen for me. Did you see the move of that scripture? For God so loved, for God so loved that he sent. God's love is expressed in the sending of Jesus. And so Jesus, in his obedience, in his willingness to go, completes the love of the Father. We, we would not know the love of God but for the Son's willingness to be sent by the Father. Do you, do you realize that? You know, I, I, every, every once in a while in, in our denomination, we get all caught up in, in holiness is love and holiness is obedience. And, and and I gotta tell you, maybe I'm dense, but I don't understand the debate because you can't have either without both (laughs) love and obedience work together the love of the father is expressed in the obedience of the son and it's the same for you and I our God still loves and our God still sins and the love of God is expressed in our willingness to be sent. In our obedience to the command of Jesus, people can see the love of the Father. You know, love's that big word, that big Hollywood word. and You know, they make movies about it and it's, it's, it's attached to our emotions. And a little pink baby in a diaper that shoots arrows at people. Somebody tell me later, I, you know, I've always been curious why a little chubby baby in a diaper has to do with love and arrows. So Maybe somebody knows the story of that. But we connect, we connect with all these emotional things. Can I, can I tell you that the love that I have within me is not sufficient to display the love of God? It is only when I, in obedience to the Father's will, allow Him to raise that level of love in me can I begin to express God's love? That's when you get to this nitty-gritty place of forgiveness and extending myself and self-sacrificing myself and, and living with generosity. It's not because it just flows from me, but it flows through me in obedience to the Father's will. So let me ask you, are you embodying John three sixteen 16, and you're going. Stay with me, if you will. I believe in giving space to pray, and I believe in altars, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. And, you know, I, I'm, like I say, I'm not going to twist anybody's arm, but, but maybe you just need to talk to God for a few minutes about your going, about your, your willingness to leave comfort zones. And, and so we're going to wait just 30 seconds, 45 seconds. If, you, if you'd like to come to an altar... They're, they're open right now. They're available to you. And then we'll let you sit and we're going to pray. We're going to meet with God for a few minutes. Come quickly if you'd like to come. You may be seated. Let's um let's talk to God just for, it's 937. Let, let's, let's spend a minute speaking to him, praying, and and then I'm going to close this in prayer. Heavenly Father, we, um, we stop first and give you thanks for Jesus. Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Meaning that when we look to Him, He did all the work that was necessary so that we could live in relationship with our Heavenly Father. But, but not only that, He gave us the model of what it means to be the children of God. That, that, that He didn't give us just an exit strategy. He, he didn't just pay the price so that when everything was said and done, we'd go to heaven. But Jesus showed us a way to live that brings honor and glory to our heavenly Father. You know, I, I, I can recall, Lord, just, just recently, somebody asked me, why, why do we reach... What what do we share the gospel to those outside our walls and outside our community? And and, and the simple truth is we believe that you bring life even now. That, that Lord, it's not just about getting people into heaven, but it's getting people into your kingdom even now. Lord, as I see the darkness around, I I don't know what will happen. I, I, I don't know how the story will end (laughs) other than you're going to return and when you do you'll make things right but I do know this you have called us to be your ambassadors you have called us through the power of the Holy Spirit to go you have called us to be your witnesses Lord give us a hunger for that task May we not be so caught up in our own comfort and our own safety, Lord, that um, we're not willing to follow you wholeheartedly. Lord, I thank you for this congregation. These are good people. I have seen Jesus uh, demonstrated in the lives of these people, and I know that they, full of your spirit, have been serving and going and doing. And, Lord, I am so thankful for this congregation of people. But Lord, I know even in my own life, there's areas where I need to grow. You're not finished with me yet. And Lord, each new day is a new challenge. And Lord, we move past what's already happened into today with the realization that today, today, you will give us opportunities to show Jesus Christ, to be Jesus Christ, to allow your Holy Spirit to use us in a powerful way. So, Lord, give us pure hearts. Empower us with your Spirit. Give us right motives. And, Lord, give us an awareness of the opportunities all around us. Lord, may we not be satisfied with the same paths. May may we not be satisfied with walking in ruts. But, Lord, may we explore all the things going on around us in a way that allows us to see where your spirit is at work. Lord, as I pray these things, I'm reminded of your prevenient grace. Your grace that goes before. And I'm reminded, Lord, that you are the God who's always one step ahead. And so wherever we go, we won't go into a place where your Holy Spirit's not present, but you'll be present there, inviting us, encouraging us, doing a work even before we begin to do our part. Help us, Lord, to be your partners. Not satisfied, Lord, with with just ordinary following the rules, Christianity, Lord, but may we be rebels for your cause. That we be on fire for your kingdom. And I pray these things in the name of Jesus, the one who came, who was sent, and in ascending suffered and died and rose from the dead on our behalf. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless.